Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you'd like to talk about something or you have questions about what the Word of God might say about something that you're encountering, or if you have a prayer request, give us a call or text us. We'd love to talk with you, hopefully answer those questions, and we'd love to pray for you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. I am your host usually on Mondays, so I host every Monday here on Calvary Live, but I'm filling in today because uh, Pastor Ed's usually on today from Calvary Aurora, and he is in Israel right now. So I am filling in today, and I'll be filling in another day next week as well. We're so glad that you tuned in and you're listening to the program. We want to welcome everyone who's listening here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to say uh, hello to everybody who's tuning in on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program. So glad that you are with us. And we also want to say uh, say hi to everyone who's listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and in parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Uh, there on those syndicated stations. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. But we would love for you to call in, and then you get the unique opportunity. You get to tune in a week later and then listen to yourself on the radio. But just be aware that if you're here in the show, syndicated on the East Coast or, or in the Appalachian region, that you're here in the show on a one-week delay. But you can always listen to uh, this show and every show live if you go to our website, uh, no matter where you are in the country. So if you go to gracefm.com, and you just uh, click that button there that says Listen Live. You'll be able to listen to the program really anywhere you are in the world live. Uh, this program and all the other programs on Grace FM. And you can also get our mobile app. So we have a sweet mobile app that is uh, available in the iTunes um, App Store or it is available on Google Play. So go just type that into the search engine on your App Store and it will pull the app right up, you download it, and then you can listen on the go wherever you are, or even as you travel. We know there's so many people who, who uh, do that. We have even some people who've been calling in the show. I've gotten calls recently from Minnesota and Florida and California. So wherever you're tuning in from today, we're glad that you're here with us. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. We'd love to talk with you, pray for you, answer those questions. Give us a call. The number is 303 Six nine zero three thousand. It's three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Once again, the text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We have all open lines right now. Usually here at the beginning of the show is one of the um, 
best times to call in because we have all open lines as we wait for those uh, lines to fill up here at the beginning of the show. Uh, just a few words about myself again. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm your host here every Monday. And we also have a show that airs on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m., so every weekday at 2.30, and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So if for some reason you're not in church on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., you can always uh, tune in to Grace FM, and you'll hear our studies there on Sunday mornings as well. So that show is called Life in the Field, which is really an allusion to the fact that we live our lives uh, on mission with God in His mission field, and uh, and that's what we're called to do. So um, the church I pastor is called Whitefields Community Church. It's located in downtown Longmont. We're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, which is one of the main uh, thoroughfares down here in downtown Longmont. So we're just uh, on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So one block west of Main Street, just on the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. And um, it is in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is kind of a historic, well-known building here in Longmont. And we would love for you to join us. If you are in the Longmont area or in any of the surrounding towns, come and join us for Worship in the Word. We have a great uh, children's ministry. We have a great worship ministry. God's just doing some really exciting things in our church. And especially since the beginning of the year, we've really felt like there's been a real shift in momentum and what God's doing. And maybe part of that is a series that we've been doing. We've been doing a really exciting series called Remember the Prophets. So starting uh, Jan the first Sunday in January, and now for, so I guess it's been five Sundays now, and then um, we're going to be continuing it for a couple more weeks after this. Uh, we're doing a series called Remember the Prophets, and the idea for that comes from James chapter 5, verse 10, where James says, Brothers, remember the prophets and look to them as examples of endurance in the face of suffering. So endurance in the face of suffering. And, and really the whole idea behind the series is, well, let's go ahead and look at the prophets. There are 16 of them. We're only doing it for eight weeks, so we're, we're not looking at every single prophet. But we are taking kind of a chronological look at two things. So we're taking a chronological look at the period of the writing prophets in the Old Testament. So going from the time of Amos, you know, and, and the divided kingdom, and then going all the way through through the exile and then back out on the other side where the, the people of Israel are brought back to the promised land and, and up until what we call like the intertestamental period, right? The end of the Old Testament period and the 400 years of silence that will lead up to Jesus. So we're looking at that whole period. I found personally in my uh, talking with people that this is a period that a lot of people are unfamiliar with. And these books are books that people have a lot of confusion about. And part of the reason for that is because one of the ways that they're arranged in our Bibles in our Bibles, they're not arranged by uh, chronology and when they happen historically. They're arranged by size and by theme. So it really helps when we're able to say, okay, well, here's what happened. Here's the chronology of it. But more than that, what we're doing in this series is we're specifically looking at the prophets themselves, who they were, how they lived, and how that's an example for us. Because that's what James tells us there in James chapter 5. Also in Hebrews 11, the writer says, you know, he, he's doing this thing where he talks about the hall of faith, right? All these different people who had 
uh, faith. They're heroes of the faith. And he says, if I had more time, I would tell you about the prophets. And so uh, we're taking this opportunity to look at who these prophets were. And this, uh, we've looked at, at uh, five of them already. This past Sunday, we looked at Jeremiah, and we looked at his courage. And this coming Sunday, we're looking at Daniel. And our topic is how to live a God-honoring life in a hostile environment. So if you've ever felt that you were in an environment that was not conducive to your Christian faith or, or you felt like a minority or you've been in a difficult situation where there's a lot of temptation, uh, then this is a study for you. So we'd love to have you join us. Or you can always uh, look us up Look us up on your podcast app. Uh, you know, Subscribe to our Whitefields, Church, uh, Whitefields Community Church Sermon Podcast and you'll get all those delivered right to your phone. Or you could just go to our website. It's whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. And if you're in the area, Longmont area, or any of the surrounding communities, or if you know people who are, we'd love it if you would come and worship with us. And uh, we'd love it if you would send others our way. So check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com, or come visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. Let's go to our first caller, Mark in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the program. Hi, um, thank you for your services. I really enjoy the uh, teachings, make things very clear. Um, The question I have is this. I've been a a Christian uh, for a long time. I'm 58 years old, been a Christian since 12, and been to uh, different churches. Some really emphasize uh, tithing. They they hit Malachi chapter 3, like um, a whole lot with their premise on that. Uh, The church where I'm at now is a good, loving church, and they didn't stress tithing uh, so much until recently. They're looking at people like me and others for leadership position. And some of the, the different things I'm starting to hear is like, order to be considered for leadership, you know, they want you to be like tithers and all this. And I never, uh, well, let me say this. As I got um, older in my, my beliefs in the Lord, I don't see where tithing is um, required like it has been in the Old Testament. I see this more of a grace giving, you know, with us as believers in the New Covenant. And um, it's almost like um, I hear at different churches, like, if you're not tithing, that you're being disobedient, you know, even though there's times where I even, you know, give more than 10%, you know, at different times and everything, yeah. according to what my finances are. But just wanted to hear what your um, clear analysis from the Scriptures really is when it comes to that component, because you have some churches that are so strong on it that they make it seem like you're being totally disobedient if you don't adhere to those teachings. Yeah. So, well, I'll give you the principles, and that is this. Uh, okay, so sorry about tithing. Those, a lot of those people who will say that tithing is required, uh, what they'll tell you is that tithing preceded the law, which in a way is kind of true, right? Because we see, mm-hmm. um, what's the example? Abraham paying a tithe to Melchizedek, who is a picture of Jesus, perhaps even a perhaps even a, a, an appearance of Jesus, you know, prior to being born in Bethlehem. And that's in um, the book of Genesis. And right. and so they would say, well, look, you gave him a tenth of everything. Um, and so therefore the whole tithing principle is being laid down before the law. And mm-hmm. I, I get that. I, I think the other thing, though, that is really more important than that is that in the New Testament, what we have is a principle which is given to in a way, not replace or override, but it's a new covenant principle. And the new covenant principle is be generous with what God has given you and be a cheerful right. giver. Not giving, right. it literally says there, don't give out of compulsion, which unfortunately is what it actually sounds like they're doing to you. Right. It's trying to make you give out of compulsion. Um, right. 
Yeah, so Paul says that in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. He gets into chapter 9 as well. He gets into the whole idea of giving. Uh, here's here's my take on it with the whole thing. I don't think that it is a uh, legal, biblical requirement in that sense, but I do think it is a an important principle. And I do believe, like you know, Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says that all of God's laws were given for our good. One of the things mm-hmm. I love that this one Bible teacher named John Corson always used to say, he used to say, um, God doesn't, insti- or let's put it, tithing is not God's way of raising money. It's God's way of raising kids. And we're his mm-hmm. kids and he's raising us. And I love that. And, you know, I'll tell you my, myself personally, there are two things that I, I stick to on this is that I, I follow a tithing principle in that sense that kind of like how I would follow a Sabbath principle. You know, we've had lots of callers call in asking about similar things in regard to the Sabbath. And they they actually argue the same case, that the Sabbath preceded the law. And in a way, they're right, that the principle comes from creation, not just from the law. But, um, and and here's where I would say, well, exactly, it's a principle. Whereas it says in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus is our Sabbath, right? Like he, we, the Sabbath rest was a picture of Jesus and the rest that he gives us from our labors to earn our way before God. And in right. him, we have our true rest. He's the fulfillment of our rest uh, that the Sabbath was a picture of, like like Colossians chapter one talks about it being, you know, the, all the things that came before were pictures. And now the substance is in Christ. Fully believe that. I believe that's also true even when it comes to tithing, like the whole idea that you give your first and your best and mm-hmm. and you give that to God. Right. And so that points us to the fact that God has given us his first and his very best in order to save right. us. OK, so where does all that leave us? OK, tithing. I don't believe that it uh, is going to gain you better standing before God. I don't believe that it's going to earn you any justification before God, because those things are given to us wholly in Christ. However, right. I do believe that, like John Corson said, it's not God's way of raising money. It's God's way of raising kids. And at the end of the day, I need to tithe because it. what tithing does, when I, when I give away 10% from the top, right? Like, So I, I have an automatic withdrawal set up uh, from mm-hmm. my bank account. And the reason I do that is because I don't want to wait until the end, of the end of the month and find out if I had any money left over and then give God my right. leftovers. I want to give God the first, and then you know what happens as I do that? It actually forces me to change the way that I live. And I think mm-hmm. that itself is the very principle of tithing. It's like, if you do this, it sets your priority, and it cha- it makes you change the way you live in order to prioritize God, his kingdom, his work, his church. And I th- I tell you, that's so important. And um, so so that's what I do. I give, and here's one more principle. I don't, and here's one of the reasons I make sure that I do it is because I don't want to ever ask people to do something that I'm not doing myself. That's just a leadership principle, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I teach mm-hmm. that to my leaders as well. We're never right. going to ask people to do something that we haven't led the way on ourselves. Right. So if we expect right. people to be generous and to give, then we're going to be generous and give. And um, I get sorry, I might not have finished that thought with the uh, the Sabbath. Right. So the Sabbath, I don't think, is a rule that we have to follow in order to gain standing with God. But I do think that that principle is very important. Take one day off a mm-hmm. week where you focus on God, you focus on rest and you focus on family. Uh, right. That's a super important principle. In the same way, I think that tithing is uh, is not a compulsory thing, but it is a very important principle. And um, 
yeah so so i guess that's that's where i'd leave it oh thank you appreciate it yeah awesome mark uh hey and that's cool that uh you're being considered for leadership i pray that you guys are on the same page over there and that god works in your church thank you so much have a you great bet. night all right god bless you bye-bye you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Sonia in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Sonia. Welcome to the program. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, thank you for accepting my call. I am a believer of Christ Jesus, and I've struggled with um, finding my place in Him and knowing my purpose. It's always been a struggle, but it's been even more so after the passing of a loved one mm-hmm. that, you know, I felt myself, felt everything about me just fall away, everything that I knew. Everything I was accustomed to just kind of fell away from me because of the loss, the grief, and, you know. And I just wonder, uh, you know, what's my purpose? I don't understand what's, what my purpose is, what my existence is. Okay. Well, I'll give you a few general things. See, so here's, uh, we just actually talked about this a little bit the last couple Sundays at our church because as we're going through this study about the prophets, you know, we're looking at how a lot of them were called by God. And so, like, for example, we looked at Jeremiah this past Sunday, and Jeremiah's whole thing was that, you know, the reason he was able to have courage in the face of complete, like, what we would consider almost like failure in a sense that we know before God it wasn't failure, but you know, basically nobody converted through his ministry after 40 years. And uh, what what keeps you going in the midst of that kind of hardship and disappointment? And part of it was that he knew that he had a calling on his life. And so here's here's one thing I would encourage you with is that there are some things that you can absolutely know for sure when it comes to calling. And I'd encourage you to start there. And then if God gives you something specific beyond that, uh, then I'll, I'll, I'll give you some advice on that too. But um, let's just start with what you know. Let's say, you know, uh, one of the things that I, I think is really interesting in studying Christian history is that the word vocation has a rich Christian heritage. You know, we tend to use the word vocation kind of interchangeably with like job and occupation. Like we'll say mm-hmm. vocational training is like job training. It's like the same thing. But actually the word vocation is a word that's actually a Christian word. It, it has a rich Christian history because the word vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means calling. And so let's say, you know, 500 years ago, you were to ask you know, the Christian reformers at the time, you were to say, hey, I don't know what my calling in life is. They, w- they would have been really confused by that question because they would have said, your calling in life isn't something that's mysterious that you have to somehow figure out or you've you got to, you know, discover what it is. They would say, no, your calling in life is whatever stage in life you are at in right now. It's If you have a job, that is your vocation. That is your calling from God to serve him through your work and to serve other people in the world through your work. 
They would say, you know, if you're a mother, that is a calling from God. If you are a sister, if you're a daughter, if you, whoever you are, whatever your place in life is right now, view those things as callings that God has specifically placed on your life for you to honor him with and honor him in. So start there. Where are you at in life? What positions has God put you in? And seek to honor him and see those things as not just, okay, this is where I am, but see them as callings from God who has sovereignly and providentially put you in those places. The next thing I would tell you is this, that Jesus gave us a, um, he gave us a commission, right? And so in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, just as the Father has sent me, so now I send you. And actually that word, um, of send is in Latin, it's the word missio. And that's from where we get our word mission, right? And so in other words, Jesus is saying, my father gave me a mission and now I am giving that mission to you. So, so the same mission that the father gave to me, now I'm giving it to you and I am calling you to go and carry out this mission. So that'd be my next thing I'd tell you is that beyond any shadow of a doubt, your calling, your purpose in life, and your mission as a Christian, which you told me just a minute ago you are, it is to carry out the mission of God to bring the gospel to the world. And Jesus described how to do that, actually, in several places, didn't he? He said, in one place, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In another place, he said, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you even to the end of the age. And in another place, he said, I want you to go into uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth, and you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You know, what does a witness do? A witness, like think about if you were called, if you witnessed a car accident and you had to go to court to be a witness, all you would do is you'd tell the story of what you saw, what you heard, uh, what you experience that's what it means to be a witness so there's i think you know just those things that i've i've shared with you i would encourage you to start right there and start working on those things okay uh, it, it's been pretty hard uh because and i understand what you're saying and it's just that uh just feeling uh feeling like a failure oh. to God and just just feeling like a failure and it's like uh. yeah Here, here's what I tell you on that you know I'm, I'm studying the prophets right and there there were a lot of times where they they did the right things but there were also times when they didn't do the right things and here's what's really good to know about being a Christian. That being, when you're in Christ, it's not so much about what you, your failures, as it is about Christ's, Christ's success on your behalf. Right? So when the Father looks at you, I want you to rest in this, in knowing this, that where you failed, Jesus has not failed, and his perfect record is given to you as a gift. In other words you get to have the righteous record of Jesus given to you and you receive that by faith and you can walk in that knowledge that when God looks at you, he's not disappointed, he's not upset when he looks at you, just like he said about Jesus. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. 
And Sonia, I would want you to know that, that if you're in Christ, that when God looks at you, he doesn't say, this is Sonia, and I'm super disappointed with her all the time. He looks at you and he says, this is Sonia, this is my child in whom I am well pleased. Because when he looks at you, he sees you in the righteousness of Jesus. Well, let me pray Let me pray for you, Sonia, and then I'll let you go. Heavenly Father, we pray for Sonia. We thank you for her heart to really want to be in, in your will and doing your will. What a good and noble desire that is. And Lord, I pray that all of us would have that desire. Lord, I pray for Sonia that as she seeks to find your calling in her life, that she would begin by doing those things that you have already called her to do. And Lord, I pray for her that she would truly rest in the knowledge that if she is in Christ, that when you look at her, you are not disappointed or dismayed. You look at her and you say, that is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. So Lord, help her to have that sense that in Christ she is accepted and she is loved in you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Sonia. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Mitchell in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Mitchell. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. Hello, how are you? Doing great. What's up? Uh, quick question. Um, when there's like a genocide of a people, I suppose, uh, say like the Holocaust, for example, um, against the Jewish people, does that fall outside of the sovereignty of God, or is that, um, you know, God chastening those people for maybe their behavior throughout the centuries? Yeah, well... Or maybe it's neither of those. Um, I don't know if it, I would say, I, you know, you're saying is it A or B? I might say, well, maybe it's a C, you know, maybe okay. it's something else. So let's talk about that. So where is God when, you know, let's say when bad events happen, is that God's judgment on those people? Sometimes. But from our perspective, it's really hard to say that, you know, like I don't know enough to say that that is categorically what's happening in every case. Um, now, I will say that historically from the prophetic books especially right because we see some of that stuff happening he said god says like i'm raising up the chaldeans who are the babylonians he says this to habakkuk i'm raising up the chaldeans and i'm going to send them to babylon or sorry send them to jerusalem in other words god is actively doing that right so it's not even just like allowing it to happen god is literally causing it to happen so uh we do see that being the case sometimes um but then we see other times where um Let's see, you asked, is it ever outside of God's will? Well, I'll tell you this, I don't believe it's ever outside of God's will. So I think we can we can negate that possibility. Right. I think that's exactly what it means that God is sovereign. In fact, right. I gotta tell you, this series we've been doing in the prophets has has helped so much in in a lot of these questions. Let me give you an example. Um it in Isaiah chapter six, what's happening there, he says, you know, in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on a throne. Well, okay, there's a lot packed in just that one phrase, right? So the year that King Uzziah died, King Uzziah was a really good king. And uh, and after him came some pretty bad kings. And, you know, there could be this sense in which you're wondering, 
where is God? Where is God in all of this? Where we just had this good king who died, and then now there are bad kings. And uh, what it's saying there is that where is God when that stuff happens? Well, God is seated on his throne. And there is, he is the sovereign one of heaven. And uh, he is definitely not absent. That is an occupied throne in heaven. Now, I'm going to get back to your question about genocide in just a second. I just want to give you a heads up that we're going to break in about 20 seconds. So uh, you can okay. stick with me or you can just say, hey, uh, I'll just drop and let you answer that question off the air. Uh, whatever you prefer. But um, I just want to give you a heads up. We're about to go to break. I'll um, hang out. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so um, yeah, you'll hear the buffer music in just a second. But let's okay. get to that other question. So if we know that God is sovereign and that these events are not happening outside of his sovereignty, well, then let's ask that next question. Are tragedies, let's say like tsunamis, genocides, stuff like that, are they the judgment of God or could it be something else? And I think that the answer is, it can be something else, and I do think sometimes it's the judgment of God, but it's really hard for us to make the determination of when that is. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that right after the break. You've been listening to Calvary Live. We'll be back after this two-minute break. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life, or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to talk with you and pray for you. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go back to Mitchell, who's on line one. Um, Mitchell, we were talking about, you know, when bad things happen, is that God's judgment or is it something else? So um, I would tell you that, yes, I do think that sometimes there there is judgment, but it's really, really difficult for us to know when those things are, I would say, without some sort of what we call special revelation. Right. And so that's what the um, that's what the Old Testament prophets did have uh, was that the special revelation they had God speak to them and say, I'm doing this. This is my work. And here's why I'm doing it. Now, it's really hard for us to say like that a tsunami happened uh, because those people, uh, you know, were unrepentant or something. Or, or, you know, after the Las Vegas shooting, there were a lot of people who said, oh, you know, this is God's judgment on Las Vegas. The hard thing about that was that a lot of those people who got shot in that concert weren't even from Las Vegas. Right. So you, know, you know, what's even stranger, too, is that a lot of the, there's a lot of uh, I've heard a lot of stories of survivors from that that experienced something else that was like equally horrific you know and it mm. seems like it almost kind of followed them like some sort of some uh, sort of weird fate that kind of followed them like a cloud you know just yeah kind of i just but, think it, it would be really hard for us to make that determination without any special revelation and i don't i actually think it would be somewhat presumptuous for us to do so i think that we can right. know the old testament principle that sometimes uh world events did happen as a form of judgment but I would also say that there were also world events that didn't happen as a form of judgment. And here's what I would want you to, to know about this, is that 
it's actually one of the things I think that gives Christianity the most integrity. Makes me, like obviously I'm a Christian already, but it makes me respect Christianity more. And that's this, that I think amongst world religions and world faiths, Christianity is the only one that has the integrity to just say, sometimes bad things happen and that's bad. Right. Like so. So let's let's think about it this way. Karma essentially says when bad things happen to you, you deserved it. And when good things happen to you, you deserve that, too. In other words, everything that happened to you, what happens to you, whether good or bad, you totally deserve it, which is actually a very evil thing to say. It's evil on both ends. It's evil to say the good that happened to you in your life, you earned it and you deserved it. Bible says, no, 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 that's not how it works. It's grace from God, who's the father of lights. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. So it's grace. It's not earning. The other part is when something bad happens to you. Well, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to say, like, you got in a car accident because, you know, you're a terrible person and that's what happened. But it's a, it's also, think about this. What about, what about like the, the child who is molested? What about the woman who is beaten up? Do we turn well, to that person and say, well, what you did, you somehow deserved it? No, well, my thing would be not. that, you know, a lot of people pin things on evil or the devil or they say that something's bad, you know, like, like, they, like they know, you know, from their, from their very, very small perspective as them, you know, that they know the difference between, I, you know, I guess there are certain situations you, you would be like, okay, that's bad, you know, but at the same time, say that person, that, that woman that was beaten, she goes on to be, you know, a spokesperson for women's rights, and she changes so many people's lives, and actually transforms into something that was that was hugely beneficial for her own life and for a lot of other people. But so it's really I, hard to I, say. I don't disagree I with that. Uh, here's what I would tell you, though: there's a difference between something bad happening and uh, a difference between God using bad things for good. So, so let's look at like Romans eight twenty eight, right? This very classic. Uh, verse. I'm going to quote it this Sunday, my, even, you know, it says that uh, God w- causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That tells us two things. It tells us that God is sovereign and providential, but also tells us that sometimes things happen that are bad and they're just plain bad. Like, I think that's what I'm trying to say about Christianity and the Bible is that it it affirms the badness of bad things. It says that some th- it, it isn't that everything has a silver lining. It's that God sometimes takes bad things which are legitimately bad and, and are not good no matter how you look at them. And he's even able to take those things and use them for good and for his purposes. And that's what makes him a redeemer, right? So a redeemer is someone who takes junk, so to say, and makes it into something glorious. And that's part of God's glory. So... So I guess that's be my my real big caveat there is that I would say, yeah, I do think sometimes things happen as a form of God's judgment, but without special revelation, it's really hard for us to determine that. In fact, I think it would be presumptuous for us to determine that. On the other hand, we can't say that anything happens outside of God's sovereignty, but uh, we can say that some things are bad. And in fact, God is so grieved by bad things that he himself became a human being and died on a cross in order to end death and evil forever. And and that's the hope we have as Christians. So. Right on. Thanks, Pastor. I appreciate it. Awesome. Appreciate the conversation. God bless you, Mitchell. Yeah, right. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. It looks like we had a comment from Bob. Uh, off the air saying that uh, when bad, like for example, the Holocaust resulted in the reinstatement of Israel as a state. 
that is true uh absolutely um here's the one thing i would i would say to you bob is that i think that's another great example of how bad things are still bad even though this is what makes god good is that he is able to redeem bad things but it doesn't take away from the badness of those things right and it it doesn't in a sense justify those things you know like uh like you this caller Mitchell was saying, well, what if a woman gets beat up by her husband and then goes on to do something great? Well, that's amazing and praise God for that, but it doesn't mean that it's okay to beat women, right? Like it doesn't mean that the Holocaust was okay. It doesn't mean that it's okay for 6 million people to die. It does that God is literally so grieved by that, that he sent his son to put an end to death and suffering forever. And here's the other thing. It means that God is glorious because he is a redeeming God who's even able to take the worst things and use them for good in the end and for his purposes. And this is, you know, there's this really interesting verse in Colossians where it says that uh, God takes the evil, or Jesus takes the evil powers and he led them in a victory parade. In other words, he triumphed over them and he actually humiliated them. And it's that what it's a picture of is that in the um, Roman times, what the Romans would do is, and this was the Greeks as well, like Alexander the Great before him. They would go into a town or a country, they'd take it over, and then they would lead those people back to back through, let's say, Rome, for example, and they'd lead them um and they would lead them in this humiliation train. Basically, they would pull them through the town. You know, they'd be, you know, stripped naked and people would throw stuff at them and they'd be humiliated, not just defeated. And and it Paul takes that picture and says that is what Jesus has done with the forces of evil. That he hasn't just defeated them, he's humiliated them. And the way that he humiliates them, you can think about this, is that when God uses Satan, so God, it's an interesting thing, right? So God allows Satan to do certain things, but then everything that he allows him to do, God ends up using it in some way for his good and for the accomplishing of his purposes. And that's the ultimate humiliation. When you think that what you're doing is something, you know, that's advancing your agenda, but at in, at the end of the day, it's actually ans uh, ad advancing the agenda of your adversary, who in this case, you know, is Jesus. So thanks for that comment, Bob. Let's go to Juanita in New Jersey. Hi, Juanita. Welcome to the program. Hello. Uh, thank you for uh, taking my call. Um, yeah. Just requesting uh, some prayer for, okay. you know, me in general, in addition to my family. I just feel like at this point in my life, um, I'm really being taken advantage of. I am the uh, daughter of uh, five children, um, four boys. I'm the middle child. And... You know, all, everyone always looks up to me to do well, and I'm just, my mom passed away almost two years ago, and everybody pretty much lives in my house. No one wants to help me, and they know that my heart is good, but I'm just so tired of being taken advantage of. I just don't know what to do. Okay. Um yeah, Juanita, I don't think that uh, you need to. Sorry, if you get, if you have the radio on or some kind of, I'm getting some feedback there. I'm not sure what that's coming from, but I'm on Juanita, I'm on my I'm on my um, um, speaker in my car. Oh, okay. Yeah, anything you can do to reduce that feedback would be great. Is that is that better? I think so. Um, let's just say this, Juanita. I don't I don't want you to feel that you have to stay in a situation where you're being taken advantage of. 
Um, I don't think, like for example, when it talks about turning the other cheek, I don't think that that is telling us, that Jesus is telling us to allow people to abuse us or take advantage of us. What he's saying is that if you are offended, right? So a slap on the cheek is an offense, not an assault. So I think there's a, something to be said for like, okay, being offended and and continuing the relationship. But I think there's another thing where if you feel that you're being taken advantage of, I think that you can, uh, I think it's really important to draw some boundaries and to just say, okay, look, uh, I'm here. Here are the things that, uh, uh, you know, here are the boundaries to our relationship. I think that's every healthy relationship has boundaries. And I think that the more you can just clearly set those boundaries, the happier everybody's going to be. So, um, not sure how to help you beyond that, but I will pray for you. Yes, that's what I would ask you to do, please. Just okay, pray for strength for me to be able to continue on, uh, you know, with love and caring in my heart. Okay, let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for Juanita. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you've put her in a family and uh, that truly she does love these people. Uh, Lord, we pray that uh, you'd help her to navigate this situation. We pray that she wouldn't be taken advantage of, that you'd help her to have some uh, healthy boundaries in her life and with her family. And Lord, please give her the strength to navigate that lovingly and to do it with a lot of grace. Lord, we pray that you give her strength, grace, and love, Lord. We pray that you give her your heart, Lord, because we know that you, um, Lord, these are the kind of sufferings where we share with you in the Fellowship of Suffering, where just as... Uh, you are often unappreciated in your love, Lord. We get to experience that sometimes, too, in our lives. Yeah. And, and so, Lord, I pray that as she is going through this, that she would experience what your word calls the fellowship of suffering in a deeper way with you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you, Juanita. Thanks for the call. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to Joey in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Joey. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you so much, Pastor. Yeah, welcome. What's up? Um, I am in a relationship with a non-believer, and okay. I was just curious. Um, she wants to pursue God and wants my help with pursuing God. Um, and we're actively reading John right now, and I was just curious what some thoughts and advice might be. Yeah, how how far advanced are you in the relationship? Well, it's pretty serious. It's going to be a year in um, April. Okay. So I'll give you a couple pieces of advice. I, I think that uh, that's good that she's interested in the Lord. And um, I just encourage you in two things. I wouldn't, uh, I would hold off on getting married or getting engaged at this point. But I would also encourage you to make sure that you are also, you know, being an example of a godly person in integrity, you know, and that's going to have implications for your physical relationship as well. And the, the reason I say that isn't just because, uh, you know, this is the rule and you should follow it. It's, it's beyond that. It's well, what's the intent behind that, that rule. And that's this is that, um, you know, knowing that you're a believer is it's going to be pretty important for her to see that you actually live out your faith, that your faith actually means something to you, that's going to be a lot more powerful to her than if you are living in compromise. Um, because of what, what you'll, you'll communicate one thing with your words and another thing with your actions. 
mm-hmm. one of the things like like we're studying Daniel this coming Sunday, and one of the things that we look at Daniel, you know, how do you live a God honoring life when you're surrounded by people who aren't encouraging you to live a God honoring life? And one of the ways that you do that we see with Daniel is by having tons of integrity. It says in Daniel mm-hmm. chapter six that uh, the the people who are in the Babylonian government or actually the Persian government by that point, they tried to find something that they could pin on Daniel, uh, like skeletons in his closet or something they could accuse him of. And it says that they literally couldn't find anything to accuse him of. So they had to turn to trying to trap him uh, in his worship of God because that's the one thing they knew he was really into. So I think that's, that's really important. There's a lot of power in integrity, so I'd encourage you to really be sold out for the Lord. And I think you should just make it super duper clear to her like hey look i'm a christian our scriptures say that we shouldn't be unequally yoked and you know the reason for that is because you know a yoke was something they put to attach two animals to each other so those two animals could pull a plow in other words the picture it's giving us there is that god has a purpose and a mission with our lives and a purpose and a mission with marriage and the purpose of the mission with marriage is that we would so to say pull his plow right like that we would do his work in the world and if we're not yoked equally, it's going to cause a lot of pain and we're probably not going to accomplish that mission. And so that's mm-hmm. why God wants us to be equally yoked with somebody uh, who we're spiritually on the same page with. And I think that the best thing you can do for her is just be really honest and say, hey, you know, as our relationship is progressing, I've become convicted of this and where, where I might have, you know, maybe I shouldn't have, gotten into this in the first place but i'm in here now but i want you to know that that i have this conviction and it's really important to me that whoever i'm with be a christian and um and be on the same page and if she's like sweet like i'm interested i want to grow tell me more then i think that's an awesome open door and opportunity and i think the best thing you can do i think it's awesome that you're reading the bible keep that up the the other thing i really want to encourage you to do is Get another Christian couple to kind of come along and and mentor you guys and come into your lives and and have that role where you like you don't just study the Bible like the two of you like you go and you study the Bible with this other couple or maybe it's a maybe it's two couples. I don't know. But um, something like that where it's not just the two of you guys, but you're you're bringing in another couple who's a little bit further down the road who can kind of mentor and disciple you guys. And if you're not sure where to find that, I would say get plugged into a church. And, dude, churches are going to be super helpful in helping you set that kind of thing up because they know the power of it. And so, you know, you get involved with the church. You go up to the pastor. You tell him exactly what you told me. Hey, you know, I'm a believer. My girlfriend, she's kind of like on the fence a little bit. But I really, but she's open and we really want to get connected and discipled. Man, I tell you, churches will be tripping over themselves to help you with that because that's that's a great and awesome thing. Okay, great. And just a follow-up question. I've read a lot of the Bible. I'm honestly having a hard time collecting thoughts on why sex before marriage is not... Like, she's asking me all these questions about it, yeah. and I'm having a hard time building a case. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll help you with that a little bit. And um, there's a lot of really great resources out there. I actually did a YouTube video on this subject, which uh, if you give your email address to the producer after we get off the line, um, I can mm-hmm. I can uh, send you the link to that video that uh, that my uh, 
worship pastor and I, we collaborated on, we just kind of did like, let's talk to the camera and explain this. Cause we get this question a ton. Like, where does it say in the Bible that you can't have sex before marriage? And here's where it says it. it's in, it's in Genesis. So not everything in the Bible is explicitly said, right? Like, um, but what is said is the positive. So we're given a model for marriage that is this. And, and here's the reason why it didn't need to be said is because that wasn't something that people did. Like it was a given, right? Like, you know, it's kind of like, I don't need to tell you not to eat a bowl of ketchup because that's probably not something you're going to do, right? At that time, it was just not something that people did. Nowadays, we really need to have that question answered. And the Bible does give us the answer for that, but it doesn't give us in what people are looking for, which is thou shalt not have sex before marriage. What it does is that it gives us a positive commandment. It tells us that in Genesis chapter one, literally the first chapter of the Bible, right? It says uh, that God created the man and the woman, male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall no longer be two, but they shall become one flesh. One flesh, right? That's like essentially a euphemism for talking mm -hmm. about uh, having sex. Okay. So mm -hmm. it's saying that this is how it works. The man uh, is with his father and mother. The woman is with her family. And then the two leave their families, come together. They're joined before God in a union. And that's when they enter into that relationship. Then we see throughout the Bible that whenever anybody uh, aberrates from that, right? So deviates from that, it always has terrible consequences. Um, so the consequences are things like we see polygamy as an example of it. We see other deviations from this model of one man one woman before god forever together in marriage and every time we see people having sex outside of marriage the consequences are always bad like without exception like it's never mm -hmm. like oh and then they slept together and everything was great like literally every time you can go through you know uh, it causes destruction it causes pain and since sin and sin causes pain we we have an easy correlation there that this is something which falls in the category of sin. Another one is that the Bible actually does talk about in the New Testament under the topic of two things. Uh, it uses two words. One is adultery and the other one is fornication. So where on the one hand, you know, you might say, well, hey, isn't adultery when you uh, are married or somebody else is married? You know, one of the two parties is married and they have sex outside of marriage. Yes, that's right. That is what adultery is. But fornication is actually any sort of sexual sin that haps, happens uh, apart from marriage. So fornication would, so there's your, if you're looking for a Bible verse that says it, it's, it's in fornication, uh, which is used several times throughout the New Testament. In fact, it's actually used, uh, Paul actually lists it with uh, sins like murder and, and like uh, lying. Like it's, it's listed with some pretty bad stuff. So, uh, and I don't say that to be condemning. I just say that to say the Bible's pretty explicit about this and um, you just have to know where to look, I guess. So that would be one. Look for the, the, the verses in the New Testament that talk about fornication because that is talking about sex uh, before marriage, in marriage. It's any form of uh, deviation from the model which is given to us at the beginning of the Bible. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay, well, thank you so much. Well, I'll give that email right after this then. Sounds good, Joey. God bless you. Thank bye -bye. you. Bye-bye.
You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got time for one more caller, and uh, we're going to go to him in just a second. But before we do that, I just want to take the opportunity here at the end of the show uh, to invite you to join us at the church that I pastor this Sunday or any Sunday. Our church meets on Sunday mornings in downtown Longmont. So if you're in Longmont or any of the surrounding towns or within driving distance, we'd love for you to come and join us 10 a.m. Sunday morning at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. We're right on the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman Street. So northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman in the St. Vrain Memorial Building at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. So 700 Longs Peak Avenue. You can get directions and uh, all that good stuff on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And uh, you can also listen to our messages on there. You can find all our links to our social media. We're all we're on all the social media. We'd love to connect with you on there as well. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you join us. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to Ray in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Ray. Welcome to the program. Pastor, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a difficult question to ask, and it, it's going to maybe sound a little disrespectful, but it it certainly doesn't mean that way. Um, I'm retired from the fire department, and... Um, when I was in the fire department, I, I was a paramedic, and I saw some pretty awful things. And I, I survived because I always believed that, um, there, that God had the ultimate um, answers and, and wisdom, and, and everything was done for, for a reason. Um, and I lost my partner a few years ago to a drug overdose. And we recently just lost um, a friend of the family. I'm sorry. Their son just passed away from a drug overdose. I'm sorry. And my my question is, is God responsible for all deaths? Yes. And I don't mean it disrespectfully. Yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from. I'll tell you, on the one hand, the Bible tells us this, that God holds all of our breaths in his hand. And what that means is that if God, let's put it this way, if God doesn't want you to die, then you won't die, right? Like he's able to keep you from dying. But I think there are times when clearly it's appointed for all of us to die, is what the scriptures say. There's a time appointed for all of us to die. God knows when that time is. He knows if it will happen as a result of a a mistake that we make or if it will be something that's completely outside of our control. So in that sense, God is in control over uh, life and death. Okay. Now, on the other hand, are there times when we cause pain and suffering that isn't directly caused by God and yet he allows it to happen? In other words, we put it this way, that everything that happens passes through his hand. Uh, I think that's true. But I think there are some times when, when God allows us to die, uh, allows people to die, uh, and the cause of their death is something that they initiated. So like this would be the case in, in regard to drug overdoses. And, um, and so, so that's, that's my only um, thing I would tell you there. But I will tell you this, that, that God, uh, he's just and he's loving and he's merciful. And, um, you know, those of us who are here now, 
we can take comfort. We get the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us this, uh, that the Spirit comforts us. He sends His Spirit to be our comforter and comfort us uh, in our distress. And so that's going to be my prayer for you, Ray, and for your family, uh, that God would comfort you by His Spirit and uh, and that He would even use this for good. You know, I don't think you heard our prior conversation. We had a conversation earlier in the show, but I know you're hearing it on a delay. Uh, we had a prior conversation on this show about, you know, where where is God when bad things happen? And uh, it might be good for you to tune in, since you're listening on the East Coast, to tune in next week on Wednesday and hear that conversation as well. Okay, sir. Yeah, well, let me pray okay. for you and your family. Okay, uh, I'm thank sorry, you. On, on Thursday, I forgot, forgot what day of the week it is, next Thursday. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Ray. I pray for his family. And I pray for the family of his partner, uh, who he lost a few years ago as well. Pray for the family, friends who, who lost this child. Lord, this is heartbreaking. And Lord, we know that it breaks your heart as well. We know that you are so grieved by sin that you didn't just grieve, but Lord, you did something about it. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. We're so thankful that you, uh, you empathize with our grief. You know what it feels like to weep over the loss of a friend. You yourself did that with your friend Lazarus. And, uh, and Lord, so... So, Lord, we weep with those who weep, and we look forward to the hope that we have in the gospel because, Lord, you acted and you did something to put an end to death and suffering once and for all through Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that that hope and that comfort that comes from the gospel would be raised today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Pastor. I appreciate everything. Awesome. Ray, God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, we've come to the end of our show, um, but we looks like we got two minutes left, or one and a half minutes. I have one uh, text message that just came in, kind of a big question, but I'll try and answer it right here at the end of the show. Can you lose your salvation? I'll give you one quick answer. Um, if you didn't earn it, then you can't unearn it. But on the other hand, can you forfeit it? Well, I would advise you of this: don't try to forfeit it. Okay. So the good news about salvation, you didn't earn it. You're probably not going to be able to unearn it, but keep your faith and your trust in Jesus and his righteousness will be accounted to you. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This has been Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I will be with you again next week and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.